0: So so my name is Luke and I'm married to Rowena, who's just leading worship. Um, We've been married now for six years and we lead the worship team at the wedding site and also youth work as well at the wedding site. Um, So it's busy, but it's fun. It's great. Um, And like Joe just kind of touched on there, the reason why we moved to wedding was because we really felt that God has laid a calling on our life to be involved in church planting in the future. And we feel like wedding is going to be a massive kind of uh, step and preparation for that time whenever that may be at the moment we have no idea when it's going to be we have no idea where it's going to be but we know that we're here now and we're going to invest everything we can here in preparation for what that might look like later on so Um, yeah which is exciting so I'm going to start with the question first of all Um, so hands up if you would like to see the church transformed in this generation Most most of us I would have been worried if no hands went up, so that's good. Um, So Keith and um, Christine Getty, they say, if we can inspire joyful, thoughtful, heartfelt Christian singing today, we can transform the church in a single generation. Now, it's a big claim, and to whatever extent you might agree with that statement, I think we'd probably all say that actually joyful and heartfelt singing is something that impacts us. Um, and impacts those around us on Sundays and actually during the week as well. So therefore, it's probably something, isn't it, that we should be pursuing. So let me just say a little bit about my story um, in terms of singing. So I'm not a, a naturally a, a good singer. I haven't been gifted with a great singing voice, which being a musician, to be honest, has been fairly challenging for me. There's lots of situations where I have to sing in, and I know that I'm not as good as a lot of people around me. So it's been quite tricky, um, and I've had lots of moments, to be honest, in my life where I've had—I've been put in those situations, and I've ended up absolutely crushed after them, to be honest, because um, it's been really difficult. So I'm just going to share one of those stories with you. Um, I'm not going to enjoy this, but I thought it'd be good for you to know. <laughs> um, so I was a full-time secondary school music teacher. Um, I did that for four years, and in my training year. Um, we used to always gather together as a cohort one Friday, um, 'll well, sorry, one day each week so on a Friday, and we used to do lots of different kind of skills and work on trying to develop our teaching and different skills you might need to allow us to teach. And obviously, singing you can imagine plays a big part in teaching at school. So I couldn't get away from this. I had to do it. I had to learn how to do it and how to teach it. And they would, yeah, try and force me basically to do as much as possible so I'd get better. And so one of these days, it got sprung on us that we would have to teach a song to the rest of our class, so our cohort, um, a song that you could teach to a primary school class. I mean, first of all, because I didn't do much singing, I didn't really have any songs kind of in my memory that I could use, so I just went for, um, so I don't know if you know the song, There's No One, There's No One Like Jesus. So kind of like, you would say probably a fairly easy one, isn't it, to sing, fairly simple tune. Um, I'll prove in a minute that it's not. Um, so anyway, so I chose that one. And um, they go through kind of the list of all the people on the course, kind of picking out each one at a time. And it's one of those things where you don't want to go, so you kind of hope that your name's kind of towards the end. But the closer it gets, you really hope you're not last, because that's awful. And guess what? I was last. So after all these amazing singers had gone and absolutely smashed it, it comes down to me. <laughs> and I'm, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm literally sweating... Um, I, yeah, I can't, I'm not looking forward to it at all. So I was like, right, I've just got to go for it and just try my best. So I launched into the first verse of this song and I completely fluff it. Like, the tune was probably unrecognisable. Um, I was out of tune with the tune I was trying to get anyway. So, <laughs> so it just didn't go very well. Um, I mean, I had a friend on the course who went to church with me who knew the song and he was trying to sing under his breath to help me out, but I was too far gone by that point. <laughs> and it was just way too late to even try and correct myself. Um, and I got to the end of the first verse, and I was like, right, I need to rescue this somehow. I need to salvage this. So what can I do? And I was like, ah, oh, this isn't actually um, an kind of an English song traditionally. It's actually sung in other languages normally. And I actually know I can remember the Zulu words for it. I was like, why don't I go for this? This could rescue it. So I then launched into that, probably really badly pronouncing all of these Zulu words. While not singing the correct tune... While singing out of tune, and I'm looking around, and everyone's looking at me like, what is he doing? Because um, I was just thinking, I've just got to like, go big or go home. And at the end of the day, I should have just gone home. But anyway, I mean, I literally thought I had hit rock bottom um, when I ended the first verse. But now I know there's actually something that's below rock bottom. So, um, yeah, so that's great. Anyway, so that was one of my moments. And to be honest, like, just, to, just, to be, just to be kind of honest with it now, I got home. And I literally cried. Like I cried and cried and cried. Because it, it was that embarrassing. Um, and yeah, and it just completely crushed me. And I've got lots more stories. So if you want a good laugh, come up to me and ask me lots more stories about it. Because I, yeah, I could tell you a lot. Um, so that's just kind of an example of it. Um, and I've also faced other obstacles as well with singing. That maybe wouldn't have made it that simple for me um, to really pursue it. So when I was younger and I lived in America, um, I used to have speech therapy. Because I got to the age of kind of three, four and I couldn't really say any words. I could only say words that began with a D, and they weren't even words. It was like... I literally couldn't say anything. I mean, those of you that know me probably won't be too surprised by that, because I haven't advanced too much since then. Um, yeah. But, um, and then also, um, when I was at school, I always found it really difficult at school. I worked really hard, and I thought, for me, I was getting really good, kind of decent grades. I was looking around at all my friends they're probably working less hard than I was and getting better than me. And I was like, there must be something going on here. Um, and by the end of kind of GCSE, um, I was actually told I had dyslexia. And that was maybe why I was finding it quite difficult. So there's just kind of a couple of things in my life that have probably could have easily stopped me from pursuing singing. Because there's lots of things just working against me. Um, but the thing is that I know that um, Jesus has birthed something in my heart from a young age, that singing is important and we need to be doing it. So therefore what I did was I just kept going. And I I still keep going today. I I still keep singing. I still keep trying to develop my singing to be better at it because I know that it's really important. I mean, God himself sings over us. That's how important it is, that God himself does it. So for me, to be honest, that trumps kind of any feelings or thoughts that I might have towards singing. If God does it and God commands me to do it, how can I turn around to him and go, actually, I don't fancy it today. Well, I haven't got a great voice, so I'm just going to step back today and not really praise you. I can't do that because God's commanded me to do it. And it's kind of like when you're younger and your parents are commanding you to do things. So, uh, most of the time you do do it. Um, and it's because you know that actually they love you and they're probably wise than you are. So therefore, you just do what they ask you to do. And it's the same thing with God. He's much wiser than we are and he loves us. And so therefore, if he's telling us to do these things, we just need to do them, don't we? Um, and I was sharing this story with John Van the other day. And he kind of just highlighted... Um, to me how it kind of reminded me a little bit of Moses' story so when Moses um, kind of God told Moses to go to the Israelites and say to them that you're going to be freed and they didn't believe him and then God told him why don't you go to Pharaoh and tell him as well and at that moment what Moses said was this my own people won't listen to me anymore how can I expect Pharaoh to listen I'm such a clumsy speaker Now, many times I've thought that about myself and disqualified myself from things because of my speaking voice or because of my singing voice. Um, And there'll probably be some of you in here as well that may be thinking the same thing, that I've disqualified myself because of this. But it's important to remember the next part of that story because God used Moses to then lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Absolutely huge, massive thing that he was used for, even though he wasn't great at speaking. Um, so don't kind of just let people speak those words over you say oh your voice isn't this or your voice isn't that because actually God can use you just as much as maybe someone who has got a great voice or is really good at singing so just don't disqualify yourself from it so so far in this series um, Joe's spoken about the fact that we are created commanded and compelled to sing Dio's looked at the fact that we are to sing with our hearts and minds Nemi spoke to us about the fact that we are to sing with um, the people that we share our lives with Yemi yeah, looked at we had to sing with um, the local church on Sundays, and then Chris spoke about our singing as a radical witness. So I'm going to round off this series and look at kind of three Fs that hopefully will encourage us and help us to apply these different things that we've been learning this summer. Um, so why should we um, sing? I mean, I know we've looked at that quite a bit already, but just to really recap really quickly, just so we, we're all kind of all on the same page. So you've heard in previous talks already how many references there are in the Bible to singing. Who remembers You can shout our numbers at me. How many times is singing mentioned in the Bible? This is a test for you. Got it? Have you been looking at my notes? So four hundred. Good. I've got another question coming up. So think hard. Um, So there's also direct commandments to sing in the Bible as well. Does anyone know how many of those there are? Oh yeah. So fifty. Just over. Just over fifty. It's just over fifty. So I'll give you that one, Joe. As well. Well done. so, I just want us to read together um, two psalms. So there's a couple of chapters, and they'll be on the screen behind me. Um, so the first one is Psalm 96, 1-2. Um, to two. So can we, just sing, uh, sorry, can we just say that together? So, O oh, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to And then um, Psalm 47, 6. To our king. So I've got another question, and this one should be a lot easier than the other two. And I've even helped you by underlining the word. How many times is singing mentioned, commanded in these two? Well, three verses alone. Seven. Seven. There we go. You got it. Good. So it's seven. Um, and so you can see here, God is repeating the same thing, isn't he, over and over again? And Ro uses this tactic with me quite a lot. If she wants me to remember something <laughs> that's really important, she'll say the same thing to me over and over again in the vain hope that I will actually remember this. And actually, most of the time, I can I do, but I still mess up sometimes and forget. And that's what God's doing here. It's that important that he's saying it over and over and over again so that we can really understand this and we can really get this. We need to be singing. It's a commandment from God. Um, so... Singing in the Bible as well is not just something that is commanded for us to do individually. Like you might think here it's just talking to me and telling me to sing. But actually it's something that corporately as well we need to be doing. There's a couple more verses that talk about this. So Ephesians 5.19 says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, so why else should we sing? Apart from the fact that we've been told to here and commanded to, it's because, like I've already said, God sings over us, so God sings. Jesus also sang. So Matthew twenty-six thirty, on the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus sang hymns with his disciples. So we worship a Trinitarian God who sings, and he wants us to be like him. So these are some of the reasons why we need to just keep pursuing um, singing. So what I've done today is I've broken it down into three Fs. Okay? So we're going to be looking at how can we feed our voice, how can we find our voice, and how can we flex our voice. So the first one we're going to look at is feeding your voice. Um, so what we sing, what we say, and the way that we act will reflect what we are immersing ourselves in. Um, and I know that for me, if I spend more time listening to the radio, watching TV, scrolling through instagram scrolling through bbc sport and all those kind of things then i am actually reading the bible listening to podcasts listening to worship music i know what's going to happen i'm going to start reflecting the culture around me rather than reflecting jesus which is what ultimately i want to be doing um it's not saying that any of those things actually are wrong but there is a balance that we need to strike with this Um, and it's a simple equation because i know the same thing that if i'm eating junk food filling my body with junk food i'm going to become unhealthy aren't i Um, And it's the same thing with that. If we're filling ourselves with kind of junk foods, the equivalent of that in the culture, we're going to be feeding ourselves with that and then that's going to be coming out of us and it's not going to be great. Um, So I just need to keep filling myself with truth. Um, And sometimes I can find I'm not really ruthless with this, which is not great. So I know that for me, if I'm, um, maybe I'm putting on a bit of weight. I know what I do. I double the amount of times I'm running. I cut out all snacking so that I can get that weight off me. But actually, when it comes to maybe my devotional time, if I find that that's struggling, I might not actually do the same. Um, and I won't double the amount of time that I'm spending reading the Bible or put on twice as much worship music. I just won't do that sometimes. And actually, I need to get ruthless with this, and I need to, and I need to do that. Um, I saw a poster on the Underground the other day, and it said, Life is what happens when you're not looking at a screen. Um, I thought that was really helpful. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, just to get home and just to put on the TV, um, just to get your iPad or your phone and just endlessly scroll through loads of rubbish. But actually, why don't, instead of doing that, when we get home, why don't we put on worship music and just fill ourselves with truth and just keep feeding ourselves in that truth. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to use a little illustration that hopefully um, visually show you how I kind of see truth and feeding ourselves with truth. Um, so I'm going to need someone to help me. I'm going to go for Joe. Actually, before I go for Joe... How good are you at following instructions? Actually, I'll tell you what. Hannah, how good is Joe at following instructions? Is he all right? Yeah, okay. You can come up then, Joe. So what I'm going to get Joe to do, could you just put that cup on that music stand? Hopefully it'll balance. You might need to kind of hold it when you're... That's it. And if you could grab the jug, it's quite full, so be careful. Um, Could you fill that cup? Don't make it overflow. Just fill it up as much as you can without making it go everywhere. This is a test. If you make making a mess, you're going to clear it up, by the way, so be careful. Oh, here we go. How much are you going to risk it? You can stop there if you want, that's fine. Oh, no, it's still going. Oh, yeah, good, okay. So, with truth, sometimes this is, how, this is how I see truth anyway. that I can fill myself up with truth to a point where I feel like I'm kind of full, and I'm kind of satisfied with the truth that I've got. But actually, what I need to be doing with truth is that at this point, I need to press on more. I need to keep filling myself with more truth. So, Joe, could you pour some more water in there, please? And this time you can let it overflow. It's absolutely fine. Maybe don't go too crazy because it will take some clearing up. But keep going, keep going. There we go. Yeah, you can stop that. That's fine. Um, So, this is the point that I need to get to with truth. When I feel like I've kind of got it still in me and it's contained, I need to keep pressing on because what happens now is the truth starts to overflow. And I know that I want to be overflowing truth. So when I'm going into my community, I want to be um, saying things, and even the songs that I'm singing, I need them to be filled with truth. And that will only come out of me if I keep pressing on with truth in the way that I've done here, and it starts to overflow. And you can also see, with the truth, so the water has come out of the cup and it's affected everything around it, hasn't it? It's made the music stand wet. It's dripping on the floor. It's everywhere. And that's what we need to be doing. To share that truth, we need to get that truth everywhere and we need to be affecting everything around us. So therefore, we just need to keep filling ourselves and filling ourselves so we get to the point that we just cannot contain that truth that's inside of us. We just keep pressing on and pushing on. Yeah, you can, thank you, Jay. Yeah. We can give a round of applause to Jay. He did really well. <laughs> um, and a way we can help ourselves do this is to kind of fill our house with the sound of songs about Jesus and this will just continue to help to... Um, Feed our voice. And the medium of song is just an amazing way, isn't it, of helping us to remember truths. I mean, I still remember how to ask to take my blazer off in French because at school, and it's a bit random, isn't it, Um, because at school we used to always start the lesson by singing a song that was to ask to take our blazer off. Um, I'm not going to say it because my French accent is awful, but I still remember it in my head. Um, And that's just the power that song has, isn't it, that you you can just remember things with song that you maybe wouldn't do if you were just trying to memorise it in your head. Um, but, like anything, um, we've kind of got a hold sometimes of something that God's created for good, and we can turn it into using it for something that's actually not great. And I mean, if you look at the songs in the charts nowadays, there's lots of songs now that it's not being used for good, is it? The way that the songs are being created. Um, so, we need to remember that Jesus actually should be the focus of our songs. And this is the truth that actually unites us as a church. And it's important to remember that actually, as a church as well, we have unity through this truth and through the gospel. Um, I mean, in the book of Revelation, the hosts of heavens aren't in unity because of the style of music that they're using, but it's because of the focus of their song instead, isn't it? Because what kind of music do people from every tribe and language and nation and tongue sing? I've got no idea. It doesn't say that in the Bible, does it? But instead what it says is, what we should be singing about. And worthy is the Lamb who is slain. So it's Jesus, isn't it, that we should be singing about. It doesn't matter about what type of music it is. We need to just make sure that we are actually singing about Jesus, Um, And yeah, and it's the gospel that unites us. It's not the types of music. So we don't love the people in our church because of the fact that maybe we like the same kind of music um, or because we can all name the same type of bands. But actually it's because um, we love each other in this church because Jesus has enabled us to love each other through his once and for all attaining death. Um, It's really easy, isn't it, to sing songs without actually thinking about the lyrics that we're singing. I do this all the time. I skip over the lyrics sometimes because I like the tune or I like the music or I like the band that it is. Um, so I'm just going to put a, um, on the screen here, there's a song um, and its lyrics. Who knows what song that is from? Queen, isn't it? Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, that is, those words, I mean, what does that even mean? Seriously? <laughs> but the fact is that we enjoy singing that song, don't we? Because actually it's good music, great band, and that allows us to skip over their lyrics, which actually... Is an abs- it's loads of nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> um, and, but the thing is, I find with worship music that I can actually do the same thing. That because I like the tune of it, I can skip over what the words are actually saying and what the words mean. And we need to just kind of almost double-take, don't we? And just check on um, what, those, yeah, what, the, um, what the songs are actually saying. And there's just a few lines here that if we actually try and do in our lives, they're quite difficult. I surrender. Lord, I give you my heart. I will serve no other God. I will offer up my life. There's lots there, isn't there? That actually, if we try and do those things, that's really difficult. I will serve no other God. Um, But the great thing is that we've got a helper that can help us to try and do that. We've got the Holy Spirit, haven't we? So we need to ask for the Holy Spirit each day to help us to actually try and live out the truths of these songs that we're actually singing about. Um, Now, I felt God really speak to me strongly um, while I was preparing this. Um, And what he said to me was that he wants some people in here to find their voice again. Um, And there are people today that may have been affected like I have with tough experiences of singing. Like you've had those moments where you've kind of put your voice on the line and actually it's not ended great, and that's really knocked your confidence. Or maybe it's the other end, that you've got a really good voice and you've got a gifting for it, but you actually haven't stepped out in that yet. God just wants to encourage you today just to take that first step. Um, And I've got a picture as well of this, of kind of a tightrope walker um, with a net underneath. And God just says, it might be scary taking that first step, but actually... I'm underneath you and I'll catch you if you fall. So if that's you and you're thinking, oh yeah, that's me, just take that first step. And that first step might be one of lots of different things. It could be just you need to sing louder. Um, it could be just when the worship leader is saying, can we just sing out, you actually sing out? Or maybe it's you need to come up to the mic and share, some, share a song or something like that. So there's a next stage in that if that is you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Yemi highlighted a story in, chronicle, in two chronicles about Jehoshaphat. And actually, God spoke to me about this story as well and wanted me to highlight a few things in this too. Um, So the background to this story is that the Moabites and the Ammonites have waged war against Jehoshaphat. And before the battle, um, the people of Judah came together in verse 14 and 15. Um, And it says, it should be on the screen behind me, and the spirit of the Lord Um, Came upon, I'm not going to read all those names because I'll be here till next Sunday trying to do it. Lots of people in the midst of the assembly, and he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Then, jumping to verse 17, it says, You'll not need to fight in this battle, stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshiped the Lord. So Judah had heard this amazing truth that God is with them in the midst of the battle, and their immediate reaction was to worship the Lord. And in verse 19 it said they praised him with loud voices. I imagine this is going to involve some kind of singing, isn't it? If you're praising with loud voices. And then it says in 21, um, And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. So he sent his worshippers out in front of his army. They were the first line of attack, was the worshippers. And then it says, And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, um, who had come against judah so that they were routed so in the moment of their worship god actually defeated their enemies and god can do the same with your worship as well when you're worshiping he can be breaking strongholds he can be breaking chains while we lift up our voice um and then once the battle had ended do you know what their response was they worshipped again they were just full of worship at every single point before during the battle after they were just worshiping God. Um, And so what we can see from this is that worship is actually a weapon, which is a really powerful thing, isn't it? So worship, yeah, is us praising God, but actually God can use that and can win battles for you with that. So that's just another encouragement of actually why do we need to find our voice? Because worship is a weapon. So now we know that singing unites us as a church, that worship is a weapon, and worship reminds us of the truth. Surely we want to flex our voice now. Um, if there's anyone out there who's still thinking "Oh, but my voice just isn't great so I don't really feel comfortable with flexing my voice the amazing thing is and this is something that I've I've really held on to is that Jesus makes our songs acceptable to God no matter how out of tune you're singing it's made acceptable to God because of Jesus Um, we can tend to think actually that God accepts our offerings of musical worship because of our skills our efforts, our practice but actually if that were the case they wouldn't be accepted at all no matter how good a singer you are Um, Harold Best reminds us that actually all our offerings are at once humble and exalted by the strong saving work of Jesus Christ. They're humbled because none of our songs would actually reach God's ears apart from the song of our Saviour. Our song is joined with His song, His glorious, perfect song of praise. And what exalts our offerings is that God receives our songs as though Christ Himself was singing them, which is pretty incredible. Don't get me wrong, there's a place for skill, there's a place for practice. And definitely sincerity in worship as well. And I could probably do another whole preach on this. But actually, our faith is not in what we do. It's in what Jesus has accomplished for us already in behalf of us on the cross. Um, And there's also a responsibility on us as a congregation as well to flex our voice corporately. I mean, it's a witness to those coming in. Visitors will probably look as much at the congregation as a lead worshiper. Um, I mean, if you saw the worship leader singing apathetically, you'd probably question, wouldn't you? Should they be doing what they're doing? Have they really understood the gospel? Let's ask ourselves the same questions where we're in the congregation. Um, it's just as important how the congregation is singing as to how the worship team is singing as well. So this series is now coming to an end. And it's now up to you to make a decision. So how is everything that you have heard this summer going to affect the way that you are going to sing? You'll have heard how God commands us to sing, how singing helps us to focus on truth, um, how singing is good for us. I'm sure that you've heard the analogy before that faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the bigger it gets. The same is true with singing. The more you flex your, your singing voice, the more confident you're going to become with it. Um, so for you, what is your next stage of flexing your voice? Is it to sing instead of mouthing along to the words, maybe? Is it to sing worship music at home? Maybe that's something you've never done before. Is it to sing louder than you would normally do? Is it to actually sing when encouraged to by the anchor or the worship leader? Is it to sing on the mic, like I've already said? What is your response going to be? So it's time to flex your voice. So could the band come up? I'm just going to finish with one more thing quickly. So it's not because I'm standing here telling you to sing that you should sing. It's not because week after week different people have been standing here telling you the same thing, that you should be singing. That's not why you should be singing. It's because of what Jesus has done for you that you actually cannot help but sing. So I'm just going to finish with reading 1 Peter 1. And it says... Praise be to God the Father, so praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even though you do not know him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls I mean our only response to this incredible news has to be just to sing phrases to his name